When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They might talk about humor, music, film, books, football, and box sets, exercise, and maybe even food. Trivia and sports, politics and health, sometimes well-being too. On the life with Brian. On the life with Brian. If you just landed here, welcome. And if you arrived here via episode three, welcome back. This is part two of Chockey's chat with renowned journalist and author Paddy Barkley. So without further ado, let's get to it. And we start with something about an old teammate of Brian's at Manchester United. Uh, you got another very brief mention in the news this week, Brian. I don't know if you saw it. Yeah, I, seen it. I saw it, yeah. Yeah, well, what it was, was um, Gary Neville uh, took to Instagram to call out what he saw as xenophobic and negative undertones in the reaction to Maheta Malango's appointment as the next PFA chief executive as the successor to Gordon Taylor. Um, now, your part in all of this actually just comes as a, a bit of an aside. You're not the main topic like you were in the, the Nolan Liam Gallagher story. Uh, Gary Neville explains that it was when you left United uh, that you suggested that he take over from you as the club's PFA union rep. Now, considering he was only 22 at the time uh, and, you know, all the big names and big characters in that dressing room, you must have obviously spotted something in Gary as a person that made you think he was strong enough and mature enough to take such a responsibility. So, you know, what was it about Gary Neville that you thought could slip into your shoes so easily? Well, the, the the first thing about that is that you have to uh, disregard age when it comes to sport and professional sport and football. Certainly, from from my thing is that, and it is a, a I think it's um, a quote from attributed to Paddy Crerand. You know, you're either uh, you're either good enough or you're not. This, I'm not interested about age. Yeah, and uh, Gary being 22 for me was actually quite advanced when it comes to. To, to football, you know, so you kind of enter into the, you know, he came in, it's the same kind of thing as I did, you came into professional sport, adult professional sport, like 16 years of age, but Gary had always, had always been, Gary's main attribute is his determination, Yeah, he's determined to become a football player, and uh, and everything that he's, he's been done has been down to his determination, his desire to be to uh, to be the best he can possibly be at whatever it is he does, uh, and th- th- I think that's a, a a great thing to have, and it takes you an awful lot way further than than this supposed idea that um, I don't I don't bet I don't believe in talent. I think it's hard work and dedication and learning. Uh, Gary had already shown right the way through from his sixteen years of age that he was determined, and he had. Um, the right attributes in order to, to to for me to to be able to stand up and say what he thought was the right thing 
with regards to um, footballers' rights. Uh, and I respect, it didn't matter who else was still there in the dressing room. He was, for me, strong enough to be able to subtitle her and say, no, this is what I think, and this is what I think is the best for the game, not necessarily what's best for, for him himself, but what's best for the game. And I think that's been proven to be uh, something that, that I was correct about. Uh, he's continued that, and that's what I would say with Gary all the way through. Yeah, whatever it is, he, he gets involved and he's determined to be successful at it. And he's always been able, he's always prepared to give you an opinion. Uh, it's not always going to be right. It's not always going to be uh, agreeable to everyone. He'll give you that. And uh, it's, I think, in the situation with regards to the article, I think that's very pertinent to say that. The, the things that he said, I think, were very relevant. Um, you know, you get to a situation now where um, you've got an organisation who have been uh, wonderful for the benefit of football players, both collectively and individually. It's now going to change with regards to governance. Gary was part of that uh, process of review and being part of the, the process of, of appointing uh, someone uh, to take over the position in the, in the coming uh, weeks and months, and what he was, what he was basically saying about how he was disappointed in, in with regards to the topics he spoke about, and I can understand exactly why he was saying that. He felt that there was a need to say it. He has a platform, which again is is great that he's using the platform for those reasons rather rather for them anything to do with any sense of benefit. He's a very impressive man, uh, Gary. I thought. Uh, I don't know him, but I, I, I've just got a lot of respect for him. I've just, can I just say a couple of things about him? One, I thought he made a bad call quite early, possibly the mistakes of youth in uh, encouraging a, an ink on the England front in encouraging a strike when Ferdinand was uh, done for missing a drug test. He could have got England thrown out of an international tournament there if people had. Um, followed that line. But that is, again, as Brian's alluded to it, that's the mistake of just wanting to show solidarity, to be one of the team, uh, to lead the team. But much more typical of him, I think, is I remember 2000, I think it was 2008, when United played the Champions League final in Moscow against Chelsea. It was a pissing down night. The game didn't finish after extra time until about one in the morning. And everybody just wanted to get home, back to the hotel and celebrate what, or commiserate. And as you probably remember, it went to penalties. And John Terry, the game was largely decided by the pitch, by the way. The pitch was man of the match by a mile. It was a good game. But the pitch was man of the match by a mile. It had given... Chelsea a goal when Frank Lampard shot and Van der Sar slipped on his arse. Um, and, and of course, it, 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 in the end, it was the deciding goal because Terry slipped again on this artificial, wet artificial pitch and miskicked and the ball hit the outside. The post went behind United, who are champions of Europe. Gary Neville 
came out in a grey suit out of the dugout. He'd missed the game for some reason. I don't know who played right back. But Wes Brown. Wes Brown, of course. He crossed for the goal, the first goal. But the Gary Neville rushes onto the pitch along with everybody else. And you're thinking he's going to hug Ronaldo or, or, or whoever it is. He goes straight through the United players. And John Terry's sitting on the pitch with his head in his hands. And he puts his arm around John Terry. And only when he consoled, attempted to console them and one or two other that he knew, did he go and join the celebrations with the United lot? And by the time he came back, he was like, he'd entered a wet t-shirt competition because it was still pissing down and his suit was sort of clinging to him. And he was soaked and, and, and ruined. And I thought, that's a man. And uh, there, was, there have been other instances of similar things uh, Jose Mourinho told the story of after United had been beaten by a last-minute goal at Old Trafford by Porto, and Jose Mourinho was the manager of Porto, that as soon as the game was over, the door to the dressing room bursts open and they're all jumping up and down, and there is Ferguson and Gary Neville. To congratulate them. And it had been a real sickener for United because they'd been ahead. They'd had a, a goal chopped off wrongly for offside against Skulls. I mean, it was three yards onside. And then in the last minute, Tim Howard had parried a shot and a lad called Costini had rolled it in. And, and it was sick, sickening defeat for United. And yet, uh, the two people that went straight into the dressing room to congratulate Porto were... And Mourinho, you know, his eyes glistened. He said, but not only was Alex there, he's, he said Gary Neville was there, and he went around shaking hands with all of our players. A real sportsman, a, a, a proper sportsman. And uh, so, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll vote for McLear as the, the, the kingmaker supreme. He, he made the right did, did he have any other contenders in that dressing room at the time, Brian? You know, obviously, back then you had a few big characters in the dressing room. I mean, I assume it wasn't just Gary Neville that would have been on your radar in terms of the union rep to to take your position no but i i what 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 i was thinking about was that um it was it was clear to me that because i'd played with these lads in the reserves over the over before they made a breakthrough and that it, it seemed kind of clear to me that these were going to be there for a, for a while so the consistency thing for me was was important um, again, did Gary went on to, to as I did, had been part of the, um, the SFA management committee, uh, and then just he could on to be influential, uh, sort of the SF, the PFA, PFA management uh, committee, and then has gone on to be still be influential on in it with regards to this review that's happened and and the recent appointment, and still being passionate about players and players' rights in the game. Uh, and I thought that, that Gary already had, had had shown that the likelihood is if he can continue to to play um, the way he was consistent play he was was for Manchester United and I think England by then he was going to be there for a long time and I think that that uh, that's one of the things that that 
I recognize it could be um, useful to to the PFA to have someone like that who had the thinking of uh, Gary Neville at Manchester United, Gary Neville in the Premier League, but who was going to be able to be um, sympathetic, empathetic and realistic about what was going on in football uh, uh, globally and what was going on in football with regards to everything else that was on. And Gary had also had the benefit and, I suppose, an influence that his mum and dad had worked at Berry and worked there for a long, long time. And indeed, Gary Panfill were, were uh, very uh, very enthusiastic and fans of, of Berry Football Club. Yeah. Uh, so that, that that was another part of it that, that, that uh, not that I was just saying that anyone else was there, but he had the, he had so many things going for him that I said that and he'd already had, unlike the other ones, unlike um, any of the other ones, including his brother Phil or Ryan or David, Nicky or Paul, was that Gary had already had some kind of knockbacks in his time as a player. He had he had scraped through the selection progress process at 16 and there was there was then Gary was always the last one up to a certain point to be told that he was going to be getting the next contract so he had come across this idea that, that already that, that he that, that he was really holding on with um, his fingernails to his career at Manchester United and I think that was one of the other things that gave him that that um, foresight and insight maybe to say well uh, I'm here just I'm just here and that uh, it's, it could easily happen to me where I'm seeking my um, employment uh, elsewhere in football elsewhere at a different club in football so for, he, for me he was the he was the per- you know, I didn't know he was going to be the perfect one certainly at that, that particular time I thought he was the one that could take it and and, and do what was needed to be done um, at that time, and I think it would have. I think it helped. I think that would been involved, and that would have helped him. Um, but he was also I said he, he was brave. I mean, the the, the thing is, that another part of it is for me as well that he had the courage to do it, and the courage to be able to stand up and say to people either both in the dressing room at the time, and also. Um, probably standing up in an England dressing room and elsewhere. Uh, Alex Ferguson always spoke about courage and football courage in players. And it wasn't um, his idea of courage was, was in a simple one, a simple way when you understand what he was saying. He felt that the best players ever to play football were courageous. Um, and the, the courage that he felt wasn't standing up ready to have a battle with people. The courage that he was looking for was to demand the ball, not just look for the ball, demand the ball, irrespective of what situation you were in. So Paddy just mentioned Dennis Law there, and you have Bobby Charlton with another one. Great players don't, uh, don't hide. Great players want the ball. It doesn't matter who's marking them. It doesn't matter who they're playing against. They want the ball. Yeah. Well, but, you know, you're well, looking in the modern game now. Yeah. For me, the, the perfect example of it, and this has been up and down, little bits of up and down recently, is that Lionel, Lionel Messi always wants the ball because he thinks that he can do something. 
yeah. can make a difference with it. Yeah, there are one or two who, who seem to spend their life making pony runs, but we were the opposite. But the, to, to, to reinforce what Brian says about courage, the best player I've ever seen in the flesh by a very, no, not by a long way, but, but by quite, a, even better than Messi, was Diego Maradona. And if you were to say, who's the bravest player you've ever seen? I would say Diego Maradona. The the correlation is exactly as Brian says. Um, the people say success is is governed by money in football, um, but it's actually governed by hard work and courage. And what money buys you is hard hard work and courage. So uh, I, I completely agree with that. And it, and it's the courage to want the ball. Bobby Charlton wanted the ball for a different reason than say George Best would want it. Uh, but they would both want the ball. They would want to influence the game. They would. Uh, I always think the perfect example of Maradona was the World Cup final of 1986. Germany sacrificed their best player, Lothar Matthäus, to man mark him. That's how important he was, Maradona. So he probably only touched the ball four times. First time to was, was to get fouled for the first Argentine goal. I can't remember what part he played in the second Argentine goal, and he provided the pass for the third. So he influenced the game, and 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 he was always there, even though Germany's best player had been deputed to market. He was Maradona was spent his entire career being assaulted in a, in a cowardly way, you know. Wanting the ball in the tightest position when you know that somebody's gonna try and break your leg, as was the case in Maradona's time. Thank God, not quite the same in um, in. Uh, but if you look, I, I, I watched the uh, selected highlights from the 1968 European Cup final, and I didn't know. Yeah, that George, I watched that. George Best could have, I been, that. could have been crippled. What about, uh, what about the tackle on uh, uh, Paddy Crerand? Was it Eusebio on Paddy Crerand? That was a brave one then. No, I mean, Eusebio, oh, he, he did. He, he, how Paddy didn't, how Paddy got up after Because Paddy that. normally used to banjo them if, 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 if anybody well, could have Well, Eusebio, Eusebio got his retaliation in first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, well, that was, so Eusebio was a very brave man as then. Um, and um, and he'd, of course, taken an awful lot from Nobby Styles. But and we talk about these people as if they were characters, and of course they were. I mean, Nobby Styles was a very good football player. Don't you know? Don't nobody should uh, be in, in any doubt about that. He could play. Um, uh, and but there were a lot of people around, even good ones, who were filthy in those days. I don't have any nostalgia for that. I thank God. That we have uh, Lionel Messi, and we wouldn't have Lionel Messi, in my opinion, if it wasn't for the leadership of the two most reviled men in football, Sepp Blatter, Michel Platini, because in the 1990s, they, on the, it was on their watch that the refereeing became more duty of care and less 
let's get through the game sort of thing. I, I think I think the games in that sense has improved a lot. Um, did 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 you find that the refereeing became more? In other words, you, you, you didn't get as many bad fouls against you as time went on. Um, no, I think in, I think it changed when I when I stopped playing. It was up, it, it yeah, was it was up. But, but there was a, there was a few there was probably a few little tweaks, but I think the there was most of the time when the, you would get the ball when I was playing as a as a forward, for example, and you get the ball played to you early on in the game. I can think of Highbury as a particular uh, fine example oh. that uh, the ball would get played to you just inside, and you take a touch, and the next minute you were um, you were like you were lying on your yeah. ass, you know. Uh, but that would be and, Adams uh, and Bolden, people like that. Yeah, they always so reckon that if that you was... if if you if you scrape their Achilles or did give them a, a, a bang on the ankle in the first minute, the referee wouldn't send you off, and, and they were. No, they didn't. No, there wasn't. There was that. That that was part of the. It was just part of the way it you was. Got a free, you, you, free shot, yeah, yeah. You got a free shot. So, I think that the yeah, and I, I agree. I think it's it's um maybe it's going a wee bit too far the uh, way. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I, I get I get frustrated by the theatrics now. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, I, do, you know, I do know what you mean. It, it, this business of, I think Beckham started this. This business of running and then you stop and the guy stumbles into you and then you dive. And he he hasn't really meant to foul you, but you get the free kick. And if the people they're buying free kick, I'm not saying they should have to be bleeding before they get a free kick, but they shouldn't be able to buy them quite as easily, should they? No, this this no well that is is yeah, it's not going to go back to Although that. you were famously, um, I was going to say, Brian, you you were famously uh, chastised by Alex Ferguson for not buying a penalty against City in 92. Yeah. So I suppose it wasn't necessarily a new thing. Yeah. Well, no, well, it, depends. it depends on the situation. It depends what it wants. And it's all about a lot of the things mm-hmm. about winning, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I thought of that, that, that situation, that, and I did get a shot on target, I didn't score. Um, and there was a dis- well, not disagreement. I was told unequivocally that I should have went down, but it's just not. It wasn't me. Sorry, it wasn't me. You know, I didn't. I didn't, I didn't agree with that no. sort of thing. If I got, I mean, if I got savage stuff something like that, and I had no opportunity. But it means it was all. And then you know, in the um, I, I like to see that. I kind of admire it uh, when I see players now who are. Attempt to stay on the the feet now, given a potentially a better chance of 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 a review now because of the the technology that's involved. But um, I, I just had maybe I had this far too much of a Corinthian idea about the way it should be. You know that you know that you you, you don't try to seek. Um, um, I just, I didn't, I just didn't feel comfortable with throwing myself. I, mean, I couldn't anyway. I wasn't very good at it because, you know, I don't think you have to practice <laughs> this sort of thing. Um, so I, I, I always thought that even if I'd gone down, it would be like it's so embarrassing that they would just score. <laughs> I'd get booted. I'd now I'd get booted for diving. Now I'd dive or like whatever it was. It would just be like. Uh, so I, I, I always felt that that 
and then I don't know. Maybe I, as I'm saying, I just like to play, and I and I, I believed, and I did. I got to the ball, had a shot, um, was on target, but we didn't score. Yeah. Brian, this is just a maybe slightly um, an out of the blue sort of well, over direct right. question. But would you say that the Alex Ferguson that you knew, uh, the man you knew as a manager, was a good man? Was a good man? Yes. Aye. Because obviously he's a good manager. No dispute oh, no. About yeah. You think he's a good man? Yeah. Yeah. Very, I mean, is it the. The, the, I think when you you're looking at the, what he believed in, or he seemed to what he believed in was like trust, loyalty, and respect. Um, and I and I think that that all of us get that from your upbringing, your family, and from your surroundings, and that makes you the the person that you are. Um, I have always said about him that I felt that. He was hard but fair. You knew exactly, like, and when it was very, very difficult in um, eighty nine, ninety, when when we were having a real torrid time, that uh, he was getting criticised by everyone, uh, probably rightly because of the form of the team and the way things were going. We were getting criticised. By well, criticised in the media, obviously after the game, whether it's in the evening paper or the Sunday paper, maybe in the Monday, and that was it. The rest of the team was getting pilloried all the time, and uh, we knew exactly how he felt and what he thought of us, but he never at any time uh, threw us on the bonfire. He protected us from all of that, uh, and I've always uh, admired that kind of thing. As I say, we were like, we got plenty of roastings and left. Uh, um, you know, it was it was very clear and uh, uh, very direct, and uh, it was sometimes difficult to to uh, comprehend and sometimes dis- difficult to assimilate. But he was always uh, he was always would recognise what he'd done. Uh, because he felt it was the right thing to do it at the time. Most and, people... Uh, sorry, Paddy, on you go. Sorry, sorry, I beg your pardon. I was just going to say that most people, if if asked to describe you, um, the phrase independent-minded would uh, probably be in most people's top four um, descriptions of, of, of Brian McClare. So in all the time that you were with Ferguson... Did your, in other words, when you were a professional footballer, did you become a soldier? And it, it, and I, orders, I, or did you ever? Oh well, no, no, no. There was, I, I, yeah, the professional fo- soldier part was playing the game. Yeah, I, 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 I was. I, I did as I was told, roughly, yeah. when I was yeah. playing the game. Yeah. The rest of the time. I think I got away with so many things, really. So like many. Oh, oh well. I used to. I just, just. I used to kick the ball at him when he wasn't looking. You know, like, <laughs> I would. I would just. T- 
I think it was part of the way that that, that I am is is this kind of uh, idea that I've got this this thing that I've always wanted to be entertained, yeah. or either by myself or by other people every day. Wanted to kind of enjoy or laugh every day, yeah, yeah. Um, and um, you know that I, I loads of times I I pushed pushed that uh, I don't know. Well, I can only I can only put it down to the fact that. I was putting myself under the pressure, but I was performing well enough in the games yeah. to get away with it because I, I got for me I got away with loads and loads of things. Um So did Cantona. Well Eric was a different thing though. Eric didn't do the things that he used. Eric was only in the sense of Eric was Eric, you know. Um and you recognise there that, that what Eric was doing was that the all the best teams in the world, and they'll continue to be that. And you mentioned one again there about your your player that you've all you said is the best you've seen. Is there game changers? Um, so you you talk about game changers. Um, uh, when Romario was playing for Barcelona, being coached by Cruyff, Romario used to go out clubbing on a Thursday or a Friday and club all night dancing and things like that and he'd come in and train on the Saturday morning, play the game on Sunday and score three or four goals and um, Cruyff was challenged about um, Romario's um, lifestyle and uh, Cruyff said, I'm not interested what he does and he says, he mentioned, he says, I know he's out I know what he's doing, I know he's out dancing he says he doesn't drink he doesn't smoke I says, and if he comes down here and plays a game and like he does, has the game today and scores three or four goals, why should I try to change that? And that's a similar kind of thing of recognizing what what um, your important players need, and you, and you, that's what happened with with players like Eric that they made the difference enough to be able to get away with certain things, not necessarily get away with things, but get away with it in a different way. And, and that's what happens with with, with you, know, you, go, you go through a whole raft of things. I'm sure that when you're doing your research on the managers, you've written about Alex Ferris, you've written about yeah. uh, Mourinho, you've written about Herbert Chapman. Yeah. Uh, um, and apart from getting an underground station named after Arsenal, <laughs> what has Herbert Chapman ever done for football? <laughs> but, we'll, but, we'll, but we'll come back to that kind of thing. Yeah. And is the... Is the um, it's just that that um, when uh, Don Shuler's the coach of of the Miami Dolphins, the yeah. very successful Miami Dolphins team, and Dan Marino's his star player, mm. and there's there's eighty eight members of that that team. So there's eighty eight players in that that when when they're having a team talk in a big theater, there's eighty eight bodies in there, and um, one of the um, linebackers or running backs or one of the, the defensive tackles or whatever in the American football fell asleep in the in the in the during Shula's one of Shula's team talk and he stopped the team talk and he shouted the guy out and told him to go to the locker room, get his gear and fuck off. Mm. Go and see the go and see the director of the well go and see and get your contract paid or whatever. Got, yeah. told him to fuck off, right? Yeah. And Don Shula was using this as an example of how you treat players differently. You don't 
necessarily set out to do this, but when you realise that sometimes you just have to do different things with different people. So that lad got fired, right, for falling asleep or nodding off in his uh, team talk. Yeah. When Dan Barino was sitting at the front of his, um, his um, in the front of the theatre and he's doing his team talk and, and he, he notices that Dan's nodding off, he, walk, he continues saying exactly what he's saying. He walks over, he just taps Dan on the shoulder and says, just stay with us, Dan, for a couple of minutes. <laughs> and, and... <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, they do. And when you, when you understand that that's the case and you accept that's the case, it's, you whether you think it's fair or not, yeah, you would, at times you would go, Several players will, and several players will tell lots of different stories about it. But oh, it was all right for Eric. Eric, Eric, never got a, never got a hairdryer. Yeah, you know, Robo, from what I can remember, got a wee bit of one once. Yeah, yeah. and but was that he when he was playing it. against Gascoigne? Aye, aye. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah there was, was the only time. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, Robo. Well, he wasn't playing against Gascoigne. Gascoigne just gave us a doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mark, did you have anything you wanted to say about about Fergie, or I think you wanted to talk from your point of view, Paddy, about getting the bollocking? Yeah, oh, of course, yes, but uh, not very many because I went, I, I went back to sort of Aberdeen. I think I. Obviously, I knew his career very well. He, 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 Ferguson was a mystery when he came to Manchester. I used to spend all my time getting the piss taken out of me by the other journalists because his team was just getting worse. And uh, I said, no, no, trust me, this cloak is top class. He will be fantastic. Oh, and they said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, look at what he did with Aberdeen. They said, Aberdeen, where's Aberdeen? And, and so I did take quite a lot of that. Um, from my colleagues, um, but I, I, I generally wrote supportively uh, for what it was worth in the Guardian. I'm, I'm not sure if the Guardian, uh, you know, was what all football people read for the, the decision made. I'm sure we weren't major influencers, but the uh, I'd moved to I think it was the Independent. Manchester United were playing. I don't know if it was Brian who would have been playing. Were you there that time when they played two? There were two FA Cup semi-finals played on the same day. They were both great games. United, yeah, you must have been there because United uh, qualified, beat Oldham. Yeah. After maybe a replay at Main Road or something, I can't remember what it was. Or yeah, maybe a replay at Main Road. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. And then uh, I think in the same the corresponding semi-final, Palace beat Liverpool four-three with four headers, probably. And um, anyway, the uh, main road where the the semi-final was played, it was always one of my favourite grounds as a journalist because there was a sort of well in just behind the end, the main entrance to the ground. And there was a, a well where, a, a sort of, not a well, you know, just sort of a, a reception area where all the tea was served at half time. And everybody who was there, the scouts, other managers, dignitaries and all that, 
would be there and you you all mingled and you felt at home rather than cordoned off as increasingly became the case with the media sanitized away you know like as if you were uh, a, a lavatory product but the it, it, at main road it was great because you you could mingle you could see friends in the game and all that but it was also the way from the dressing rooms to the manager's office and ferguson had obviously been given one of the manager's offices and at half time he came through and he passed me and i smiled as naturally i would have normally smiled at him because i would always had a good relationship with him such as it was and uh, i i hope people don't mind the, the language but um i was sure he'd said to me you fucking can't and it moved on now uh you know, a good day then where i come from <laughs> Where I come from in Scotland, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I was surprised no. at the word, but I mean, if you listen, it was if you bad. listen to, you'll just stop me there, Paddy. Right, you're talking music, right? There's yeah. a a musician from Castle Milk called Jerry Cinnamon. Yeah, and in one of his songs, yeah, he says that that is not always seen as a put down. No, no, not not at all. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's almost a term of endearment. I mean, in England, you might say mate or squire or uh, you know, uh, in England, you, you you might call your best mate a fucking cunt, you know, because, yeah. not, because he, not because he necessarily is, but but just it's just it's just it's just the language, you know, it's just a noise. Anyway, so I'm I'm looking past, thinking he's gonna wink, but oh no, he's puce puce face. Brian will know that we remember this. Puce face and, and that n- rather nice, nasty uh, vulpine. That's the word for what a wolf looks like, isn't it? Vulpine. Yeah. That yeah. vulpine look, that nasty, mean eyes. You know? <laughs> You've you seen it, Brian, haven't you? You've seen fucking. And, and, and he's looking at me like that, and it's, there's almost a smile, a, a, a sort of sadistic smile. Almost. Almost. Not quite. And he walks on. So at the end of the game, he repeats it. So I'm shocked. I'm still sort of laughing, thinking, what can I have possibly done? On the Monday, I rang his office at the, uh, had all his numbers, had the number of his house in, where is it, Wilmslow, somewhere like that. Don't, don't repeat the number just in case it's the same number. <laughs> anyway. There's a possibility it might be the same number. <laughs> exactly. And uh, it says, uh, I, I pick up the phone and I said, hello, uh, Alec, it's, it's Paddy Barclay. And down goes the phone. So I tried again and he's left the phone off the hook. I try again and he says, fuck off. So I'm beginning to realize now that there is a wee bit of a problem here. And I was thinking, what could I possibly have done? I hadn't said anything. I hadn't said, and this went on for years. And people said, have you ever had a fight with Alec Ferguson? I said, yeah, well, there was, you know, he, 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 he called me camp once and uh, I still to this day don't know. And then one day, I think it, I think it was, a, I think it was, a, I think it came through the post. Uh, without any see of who it was from. But there was this cutting from the paper I was on at the time, which was at the Independent. 
<laughs> and somebody had put highlighted a word and i had written it looks as if things are running out of alex ferguson's control at manchester united and that word control and brian will back me up on this control is fundamental to his methodology to his principles of management and he claims that he got it from matt busby and that's true because he was controlling in a probably slightly different way and he believes and who can gainsay him if you look at his medals you know who can say that he's not absolutely right but control is fundamental and anyone you know fucking cunt wasn't a swear word but control was if it was used in the wrong way and i am utterly convinced that whoever sent me that cutting had got it that is what had got uh had made ferguson say that guy he used to be on the inside of the tent pissing out he's now on the outside of the tent did, did he ever did he ever make good with you did you ever you know patch things up no 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 yeah we did actually because oh yeah i'm just what was the year when uh gordon strachan got promoted with leeds brian can you remember the exact eight, year it was around that 89, time 90, wasn't it? I think in the early not. 90s right eight, eight, 89 90 and what was it was so it must have been around that time leeds were about to get promoted with strachan and McAllister and speed and batty in the midfield lee chapman up front uh sterling and all that and uh, i thought well if this team's coming up to the premier league i lived on the lead side of manchester in saddleworth and uh, and uh i thought if this team's going to come up in the premier league i'd love to go and see them on a, a midweek game and really get a chance to look at them see what they're about and uh, so i went to this game at the end of the season and obviously ferguson had had the same idea because he was there with uh, archie knox and kiddo brian kid and uh, they were all uh, they were all there and again at ellen road when you go in there's um you're, you're sort of mixing in a sort of tea area and i go in and i'm still really annoyed at ferguson for putting the phone down on me when i didn't deserve it if if you know if i had written ferguson is highly overrated he was a shite manager of aberdeen and he'll, he's not up to the job at man united then of course he would have been entitled to do anything but i just didn't think it was fair when i'd done nothing but defend him in private with other journalists and in print so i went in there and i saw him with archie and thing and i'm not a brave man I, i'm i'm a coward i'm a, a a very cowardly person good so, so don't think i'm trying to pretend act big here because i'm not but i just lost my of all i do have a temper and i lost my temper i saw him and completely you know so much steam coming out of my eyes i think that i i didn't really notice archie and, and brian kidd and i just went up to him and i said you know at least tell me what i've fucking well done wrong you know do not uh probably i don't think i pointed at him i don't think i was that brave but i was saying you know i i got fucking stick for defending you and you're fucking putting the phone down on me blah 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 and i, and I look back and i'm thinking oh what have i done he's going to kill me here 
uh, and I see Archie, who could kill someone just by looking at them, and Kiddo, who was, you wouldn't, I mean, he acts all nice, but you wouldn't. So I thought, what have I done? And I, I'll never forget, honestly, there the, was the best moment of my 40 years career. I, I looked, and Ferguson was just sort of looking at me with contempt, and Archie and Kiddo were going like this thinking nobody does that. And this is this journalist trying it. So I, I, I just thought, right, I, I don't want to push my luck on and walked upstairs. Anyway, sorry, this story's going on forever. But the next season, I walked off thinking, I've really asked for it. I'm gonna, I've really gone too far. You shouldn't be rude to someone in public, even if they've been rude, even if they've started it in front of the, you know, I wish I hadn't done that. And, and you know, once the adrenaline wears off, you're not so brave after all. And then, as chance would have it, the English clubs got back into Europe and United were drawn away to a Hungarian club. I think it was Videoton or Pesky Munke. Pesky Munkas, exactly. And, but we were based, the team and the press were based in Budapest, Brian, I think. Uh, yeah. And we were good to go out to Munkas, or maybe Munkas, maybe a game was played in Budapest, whatever. We were staying in a nice hotel. No, the game was played in, the plane was played there. It wasn't played in Budapest, it was played in Munkas. Wasn't yeah. it? But, well, anyway, maybe we'd got into the hotel in, in Munkas and it was a smart. Yeah. And uh, anyway, not only, and I'm praying to my desk, I'm saying, can you send me to another match? Not, not to the United one, because we're staying in the same hotel as... Ferguson and, and, and he's going to kill me and uh, uh, but of course he, he, there was no somebody else bagged the other game and they said oh good news you're going to Budapest with Man United and I went oh good that's, that's great and uh, anyway so I get to, I get to this thing and uh, we, we're in the bar and I'm thinking oh I hope he doesn't come in you know I'm looking at the door and uh, knocking back a few beers, and somebody says, "Oh, uh, Fergie's got uh, on the way. He's decided to have a drink with us." And I'm thinking, "Oh no, this is just getting worse and worse. I don't even have time to make an excuse and go up to my room." So he comes in, and he sees Steve Curry or whoever it was, and says, "Oh, Steve, have a drink." He's buying everybody a drink, and I'm thinking, "Oh, and when he gets to me, what's he going to do?" And uh, he says. Pats me on the back and he says, hello, buddy, what are you having? And I thought, Jesus, that guy will do for me, you know. Uh, he probably couldn't even remember, but I just thought. Oh, no, he can remember. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about that. <laughs> he can remember. Oh, well, anyway. We'll tell you the story in a minute and he can remember. All right. Okay, well, that's, I've, I've finally got to the end of my anecdote. But that, yes, um, it was okay. But I, then we finally did. Um, Fallout uh, terminally um, when he did a very naughty thing, but I don't. I don't want to spoil it because he's a mate of Brian's, and this is Brian's show, and I don't want to. No, no, I don't want to, to do. Uh, listen, if I ever get uh, back on, I'll tell you the, the not so nice story, but that, it's not for this time. Brian, what were you going to say? I'm going to say what he's just talking about. You saying about the memory? Eh? Yeah, is that I'm sitting there as a coach at the dinner and lunchtime at Carrington. I don't know, 2006, 2007, and he's got the exact same, something's upset him, 
about whatever game had happened, whatever, and he sits down and or he sit down and whatever he's doing and somebody, somebody mentions something that's got him annoyed and uh, he decides, he's always, he always, and I, I quite like the idea of it, of uh, venting your spleen at that moment yeah. rather than take it home with you, you know, she's always been used to it as a player anyway. And at lunchtime that day, I got a bollocking for the League Cup game against um, Sheffield Wednesday, which we lost 1-0. Because it was my f- fault that uh, John Sheridan scored the goal, and I couldn't argue with him because he was absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, You're talking of 15, 16 years later. Oh. I'm getting another. I got one at the time. I'm getting another one. So we talk it, and I used to say to people, "I says, look, you have to be very careful about what you do and what you say." I says, because he doesn't forget anything. He has got an incredible memory for, and he, and he still does now, even even after he's, yeah, he's uh, the, the thing. Well, he 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 said he said uh, one time I, I, there was a I had a quiz question that um, that always beat everybody, certainly in England and actually even in Scotland, because. The quiz question was, it's changed now, but this was uh, maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago. The question was, which two British cities have had two separate teams in the last four of the Champions League? Well, it was called the European Cup then, but the Champions League uh, or European Cup. In other words, the last four of Europe's top Premier, only two British cities have had two separate teams in the semi-final. Well, of course, the question's out of date now because Manchester, which wasn't the right answer at the time, uh, is now... Yeah, Dundee and Glasgow. This is the answer. And nobody got it. They're all saying London. I said, well, when did Arsenal get Because at that time, Arsenal hadn't been to a final. And when did... Uh, as, as Tottenham had been to a semi, Arsenal hadn't been to a semi. And they said, well... Uh, 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 Birmingham? I said, oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that great Birmingham City side that got to the semi You know, it was great. I, you had a lot of fun with it because they're all going, yeah, must be. And, and eventually some of these English people would get Glasgow, but there were, and none of them would get the other. And, and I was on the plane on a, to a Man United away game doing this, and they said, and nobody could get it. And they said, uh, "I'm gonna, f- I'm gonna see if Fergie knows." Somebody went up. And he said, "Glasgow and Dundee," and they came back and told me. So he. No, Brilliant. Can I just tell you the, a story that I, um, a boy who used to play for Falkirk told me? Do any of you boys um, uh, know your horse racing? Uh, you wouldn't know so by how uh, no. oh, I got on at Cheltenham last week. No. What about you, Brian? <laughs> you know, Brian, no, Brian Matthew Brian owns a horse. Owns horse. Matthew, Matthew yeah, owns a horse. <laughs> it's been retired now, Brian. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it cost me 1,200 quid. Yeah, I know about it. Fergie was playing for, uh, I don't know anything about horses, so I'll probably get the story wrong, but Fergie was playing for Falkirk. They had a team that played in a game called Quizball, which was football 
Oh yeah, Is Celtic won that in nineteen sixty-seven, yeah. and as well as everything anyway, else. This, yeah, in this year when when they were doing it, Fergie was in the man uh, the Falkirk team along with this guy that I spoke to called Bobby Ford and Andy Roxburgh, who was school teacher. Bobby Ford, did he go and play for Hearts? No, it was a different Ford. It was a different Donald Ford. He was, ended yeah. up playing for Dundee. Bobby Ford. He was a tough. I know, sounds, number yeah. four, and he was a good player, and it, and about a lovely guy, and he told me the story. And the Falkirk team was those three: Andy Rocks because he was a school teacher, and therefore clever, uh, and Ferguson because he was clever, and uh, I don't know how Bobby Ford got in, and Chick Murray was their star guest. Uh, I don't know whether he was a Falkirk fan, but he was their star guest. The Everton, they were playing Everton. It was the semi-final. They were just one game away from the final. So Ferguson, as you imagine, is desperate to win. And Everton has Joe Royal, who's very clever. Uh, Catrick, I think, was in it. And uh, Ed Stupot Stewart was their star. So the late Ed Stupot Stewart. And uh, so they get there. And, and, and it's a real tight game, brilliant game. And it goes to the final question. And the question was an individual one. <laughs> it goes to Andy Roxburgh, who has got no interest in horses, no interest in the horse racing at all. And the final question was, and if Andy gets this right, Falkirk are in the final. So Fer- Fergie, as you can imagine, he's frothing. And... Uh, Anyway, the question master says, Andy Roxburgh, who rode the winner of this year's Grand National? Now, I think it was Lester Pigger, a flat jockey. Yeah. Yes. Flat, yeah. yeah. Anyway, Andy knows nothing about it. And Ferguson's desperate to, and the, the, the question master saying, don't, no conferring, no, shut up. And Ferguson's <laughs> trying to transfer, answer into <laughs> And Andy's panicking, and he's only heard of one one horse jockey. So he says, Lester Piggott, wrong, Everton win, Everton going to the final. Anyway, Ferguson, he thought, Andy said, I, I honestly thought he was going to tear my head off. I really thought he was going to kill me. <laughs> and anyway, the story got out because when Falkirk ran out against Dunfermline on the Saturday, the crowd started chatting left the bigger at Andy. It's mailbag time again, Matthew. What have you got for Brian this time? Okay, um, I've delved into the mailbag and we've got one, funny enough, from uh, Ray Mead. And he wants to you, Brian, to tell the story about the time you met a snooker legend and his brother in Glasgow in 2018. So uh, what's that all about? Uh, all right, was this about... Um, I think this is just pertaining to how I ruined somebody's... Career, but it could be you know us. Um, and that um, I was at a, a gig in Glasgow, Ocean Colour scene, and um, I'd I'd been to the uh, to the toilet, and I was as I came back from the toilet, walking through the, uh, uh, I was in the um, on the uh, 
the standing area, I saw uh, John Higgins. Never met John Higgins before, but I kind of looked at him and he kind of looked at me in the kind of same kind of way of, oh, uh, me, I'm like, that looks like John Higgins. And I think he went, oh, that looks like... George Michael. Uh, <laughs> an old Brian McLean. <laughs> uh, potentially, I. So I don't usually, I don't like to do the same because I know what exactly what size. I don't normally go over, but I just thought, because he'd kind of nodded, I thought I'd just go over and say hello. And I went over and said hello to um, to John and we're just chatting away and he was he was playing a, in a tournament the next day. And um, he's, he, he, he said to me, look, um, I... I um, he was a bit kind of a bit apprehensive, a wee bit, whatever. He, he goes, "Oh, my brother's here." You know, I go, ah, "Okay, that's fine." No, no, no. Listen, you've never met my brother. I says, "No, I've never met you before. I never don't think I've ever met your brother." No, well, I, I have to apologise now. What's he going about? You know. So we're just chatting away, and um, I was, I was, uh, his brother had uh, been at the bar and had come back with. Um, a tray of drinks for for him and uh, this other lad, and uh, he was uh, he saw me talking to John, and he's talking to the person that the, the friend that I was with, and he and he's turned around and saying, "Look at that! See that? I hate that! I hate that that people come over and they start giving it. You know, yeah, I, a lot of always loved you, and you think you're great, and all this kind of thing." I said, "I don't like all that sick of fancy and all that stuff. It's a piece of nonsense and all that." And my friend turned around and said, oh, um, um, that's uh, Brian McClare that uh, John's talking to. And he virtually went like that, whoosh, swiped my mate out the way and came straight over and poof, straight into the conversation. How you doing? That's good. Aye, you're your cell taking. Don't bother about him. He's rubbish. He's been four times world champion. He's getting his brother out of the way. And he starts chatting away. He goes and then talking about, yeah, he says, I was a better player than him. I used to beat him all the time and all this. I says, and you know, the problem, you know what happened? You were one of the reasons why my career got ruined. I'm like, oh, not much of a... I said, well, what happened? You know, was, I was immediately I'm thinking that it's like he's devastated because he was a Celtic supporter when he was really young and I, I've left Celtic to go to Manchester United. But it wasn't. He'd, he'd been, he decided, that he started following Celtic when, uh, when I started playing for Celtic, signed for Celtic from Motherwell, and, and that's when he started getting into to football and and he, dis, and he decided that going with his mates to the Celtic games was much more enjoyable than practising to play for snooker. So I was responsible, <laughs> and I am responsible, for, <laughs> for Jason not being four or five times world champion, but, but John sneaking in through the Really? Back door, you know. So. I hope John bought you a couple of pints for that. It sounds like you did him a huge favour. Uh, I think he was just uh, John was just wondering uh, how the conversation <laughs> was going to go, and <laughs> with regards to how it could go, you know, that kind of thing. And I think he was quite pleased that it had gone uh, uh, tolerably okay well, from, from his view, you know. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, the thing for me was that. I, I, I was had this kind of thing, and I said to him, "Well, you used to beat your brother. Yeah, the last time I played him 
I beat him four nil in some um, juvenile competition, and I was I, I, when after I was reflecting on it and thinking that that what happened was that uh, because of their their height at that particular time, that Jason could see over the table. And yeah. John couldn't, and John had to stand in some kind of stool to actually see the balls and have a chance to pop them. And every time they, he was going up to try and line up his line up the uh, cue ball with any particular colour, that Jason would kick the stool away from him. <laughs> <laughs> Told you, what are you doing? I can't see, you know. So yeah, that 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 was well as you know that these things are incredible things that can happen to you that that have, that, have, that was related to, to something you did and uh, and it's something that was wonderful and a wonderful wonderful occasion to have someone um being quite pleased really that i'd, I'd ruined their, their snooker career you know <laughs> well, how, how do you follow another up? another thing to be written down there yeah. another, you know, <laughs> the, another, for the book you know, the, uh, so, George Michael and um, John Higgins. <laughs> John Higgins, yeah. Oh, I've got to do that, you know. Well, I'll tell you, I have to try and think of a Martin Offler and um, story. Uh, never met that. No. I have to try and do things like that. Throw things in, Paddy. You know, you you just you just trump me all the time. <laughs> you just be a trumper. You're a top it, trumper, no, won't you? You'll be throwing in Maradona, the, won't you? The difference oh, is yeah, when I was having a. When I was outside having an uh, aperitif with uh, Minotti, that was quite nice. <laughs> you know, no, we're stuck in a lift, the, you know. The, the thing is, two things helped me. One, of my Walter Mitty personality. And two, uh, the fact that most of the people I meet are less are more famous than me, which is an advantage you don't have, Brian, because, you know, most... No, it is an advantage, because everybody I meet is more famous than me. <laughs> Not, not at all. Although I must admit, can I tell you, even Brian doesn't know this story. But very brief, very, very briefly, I went to an association of Manchester United former players dinner. And they are the best. Uh, it's the most wonderful thing. It, it, it is great. And it's dying. It will die out because the players at Manchester United haven't got the same feeling as, as the old ones in Marlowe. And sitting next to me is a guy. He seems nice enough. I don't recognize him. He's a, he's a guy with a beard, got a big beard. And um, I, I don't recognize him, but he seems a nice enough fellow, rather quiet. And it's only after about 20 minutes that I realize it's Brian McClare. Because <laughs> <laughs> of the beard, you see. He's gone up to Scotland. He's done the SFA and the, this, that, and the other. And, of course, you follow it through the press, his, his career. Oh, he's doing, yeah, doing well. Interesting. He's, he's... But, of course, what they don't, every time you read a thing, you don't get a, an, an image of this guy with his beard growing bigger and bigger and bigger. But eventually I worked it out. And, of course, I was so embarrassed because I didn't want to say to him, do you remember this, Brian? I didn't want to say to him. No, he doesn't, he, he doesn't even remember it because I had hair. The last time that I, he saw me, but no, the, I love. There's nothing better than people being embarrassed. I love that. It's uh, great when people well, recognise you. I think it's I, wonderful. I, well, I did. I did. I didn't discount that as a theory that you were quite enjoying spinning me out, you know, like a <laughs> fish. But then, um, I didn't want to say, "Oh, sorry, I didn't realise you were Brian. How are you, Brian?" <laughs> because it's 
It's stupid. He knows he's Brian. He doesn't need me to tell him. Wait, you, you, but anyway, you, we, I think I got away with it. I like to think I got away with it. You could have it. said, uh, Brian, what's your name? I still can't get used to Roy Keane with a beard either, you know. It's... Uh, it's uh, anyway, uh, not that Roy Keane's a friend of mine, but I like to think Brian is a friend of mine, but uh, I, I don't think Roy Keane is. But uh, here we go. Sorry, I've interrupted you. No you're, you're, opening the, yeah. you're opening the post. Just the last, well, we're opening the post. Just another we'll finish the post. Well, oh, you got another well, I've, one. I've right? got just, one here, just a quick one before you go. Yeah, into, okay, so hold on a quick one before you go into this. Are you sitting in your kitchen now, Paddy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, in fact, uh, I've, I've still got to cook. Uh, I'm doing corned beef hashes while the rugby's on. Right. Okay. Right. Oh, there it's there. Right. Stop. Stop. Put the camera down a bit. Just put your camera down. Put it down. No, just move it back to the right. To the right. To the right. Just so we can see over your right shoulder. No, no. That way. No, I can't see it. Over your right shoulder. There you go. Kitchen roll. Yeah. It's kitchen what roll. Is your, what is this thing of your fascination with kitchen roll? What makes you think I've got a fascination with kitchen roll? Mm. There's a photograph mm. of you looking at <laughs> What? There's a, there's a photograph of you in an interview with another young journalist. Yeah. And there's two kitchen rolls in the background. Well, there's one over to the left of the cooker and there's one in the fruit bowl. I have to be honest. And I was thought to myself, why are you doing the kitchen roll? I have to be honest that that's that is brilliant. You should have been you should have been a detective, Brian, because uh, in actual fact, <laughs> I had this. I had two of everything, you know. Like no, I had two animals, and I have two kitchen. Uh, always have uh, two packets of kitchen roll because uh, I've got this dread. You know this hoarding when the COVID started. I invented that years ago. I used to hoard when you didn't need to, and so I always have, uh, you know, a lot of everything. I've got two tins of beans, two tins of uh, kidney beans, uh, two um, two two uh, olive oil, you know, Tuscan olive oil, uh, two of them. One unbroken, one being used, and then when I use that, yeah, I've just got this dread of being uh, bloody hell, Brian. I mean, I, I, that's brilliant. You should spot that. I never even knew and, that. And he said, "You say that Fergie never forgets anything." I didn't know this. I thought this was a football. I thought this was a football <laughs> chat, not a psychiatry program. <laughs> I was just give you a little tip there. It's your Tuscan extra virgin oil. It is, yes. The, uh, but I also get. Well, you should. You, you should cook with normal olive oil because it gets too strong. Yes, extra virgin oil. I've, I've heard that. I sometimes cook with uh, uh, sunflower oil as well, which is very as it. No, no, you, being... you should do your cooking with just normal, normal olive oil. olive oil. Right. Well, that's okay because yeah. uh, so you don't have a treat and give yourself a nice taste. to Use extra virgin. Yes, in fresh food like a salad. Yeah. Sorry. And in the picture, if you want to check back on the picture. Which explains another thing, yeah, right? Yeah. In the picture, you're wearing a white T-shirt. Yeah. And there's a white T-shirt draped over the chair next to you. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I've just been ironing my hankies, actually. <laughs> <Look>. <laughs> 
embarrassing. So, Joanne asks, she says, a topical on this, as we approach Easter, Cadbury's cream egg, how do you eat yours? Now, I'll go first. I'll say knife and fork. Brian? You eat your cream egg with a knife and fork? Wow. Yeah. Do you not take the silver paper mm-hmm. off first? Well, of course. I get, yeah, like, <laughs> obviously, I get someone else to do that for me. But, um, yeah, but it's messy, isn't it? So, I mean, how do you, there must be a way of you, especially with that hirsute face of, Facial hair of yours. No, you have to. I I treat a cream egg as you do a boiled egg. I've got a cream egg cup. Put the cream Uh, egg in the cup. So you decant the the cream and then eat the egg. Not the top off it. Leave the top to the side. Get a tea, an egg spoon, which is smaller than a teaspoon, and eat the inside out first, and then eat the chocolate. Wow. Well, you might as well put this to the to the floor while we while we're at it, Paddy. How do you eat your Cabbage cream. Uh, well, uh, unfortunately, due to my tendency to put on weight, um, uh, I don't really get to eat sweets much as I love them all. In fact, this question is really torture because I'm starting to obsess about Is it well, cream eggs? Yeah, uh, other others cream are eggs. available. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Other cream eggs are available, no doubt. But uh, I would coming from Dundee, I'd get own brand because they're cheaper. <laughs> but the uh, I would, if I did have the luxury of eating one, I would uh, take the wrapper off because uh, there was a good hint from Brian about that. <laughs> take the wrapper off and then eat it in two bites. Um, uh, I was going to say starting with the left, but of course they're both the same. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. So, Mark, Sorry. You've, got the, you've got the casting vote. Mark. Uh, do you know what? I don't actually like them. They're too sweet for me, and oh. and I've also got the hor- I've also yeah. got the horror story that one of my best friends, when he was about five or six, he bit into it and started licking the fondant out of the middle, uh, and he got he got so vigorous that he snapped the frenulum under his tongue, and then he started looking into it and oh, noticed there was. <laughs> Wait a minute. He started he started looking in. And there was it. blood in there. And then he said, This isn't right. <laughs> and that's another reason that's another reason for not liking cream eggs. It put me off ever since. Yeah. And there goes the sales figures for uh Cabbage Cream yeah. Eggs this Easter. I mean that's incredible. Mark, when we asked you the uh, cream egg story, we we thought at least it might be vegetarian, you no, know? No, there's <laughs> Well, I think that's a great that's a great uh, great time to bring the podcast to an end. Now I've checked Fergie's watch and uh, d- definitely over. Oh, natural, indeed, natural yeah. Chucky, Matthew, Paddy, and it's been absolutely brilliant. This, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Paddy. Thank you very much. It's great really to see you again, pal. Paddy, do you want to give us a heads up where we can find the new podcast? Oh, thank you very much. Uh, on Twitter, for example. Twitter and wherever else it's, it's to be found. Well. I- Honestly, uh, it's this boy that uh, Omar Garrick, his name is, he, he, he's running in it and he just, um, I don't know where, I assume it'll be on, uh, if you Google it, something will come up. But it's on Twitter, it's at perspective pod, or one word, underscore.
Brilliant. Persp- at perspective pod underscore. And um, I, w- I mean, I assume it will be on YouTube. All good podcast providers. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that's something like that. <laughs> but thank you very much for that. This has been absolutely brilliant. I feel like I've been in the pub on a Friday night. It's brilliant. Thank you. No right, problem. Well, we, we'll have to do a pub yeah, on one day, eh? Oh, now you're talking. <laughs> now you're talking. Props again to Liam McClare for the tunes on the podcast. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Liam McClare, and you'll find his YouTube channel details there too. Um, thanks for tuning in. You can get in touch with us uh, on Twitter, uh, where you can keep up with news on future episodes and whatnot, uh, at Brian McClare Pod. Get your questions in for the mailbag too by tweeting us with the hashtag AskChucky. Once again, if you can't get enough of Brian, be sure to head over to the Set Pieces website where you can find the revised and renewed Chucky's Diary, which uh, which are great to read, um, and you can see them each month on www.thesetpieces.com. Uh, and, of course, we're available wherever you get your podcasts, so don't forget to click subscribe, and then you won't miss any future episodes. So until next time, see you soon. Life with Brian. Life with Brian. Talking films or music Life with Brian Talking TV and food Life with Brian Talking trivia and exercise Life with Brian It's different every episode Life with Brian Talking politics and football Life with Brian It's different every episode Life with Brian Life with Brian Podcast Network.